0: Com. Welcome to the first of a two-part conversation focusing on StayLinked and VDC Research recent study, Making Supply Chain Resilience Work, Keeping Up with Ever-Demanding Warehouse Operations. In today's part one, we will be diving into supply chain resilience in today's landscape, what's important to the customer experience now, And how has that changed over the last few years? And the importance of foundational systems in order to adopt newer technologies in your operation? I hope you enjoy these insights and be sure to reach out to let us know your thoughts on the topics discussed. Hey, it's Kevin Lawton with the New Warehouse Podcast here, and I am joined today by Justin Griffith. He is the CTO at StayLinked, and also David Krebs. He is the EVP of Enterprise Mobility and AIDC with the VDC Research Group. And I'm going to be joined by them today because we're going to talk about a recent research study that was conducted by uh, David and a VDC research group on behalf of StayLinked. And it's called Making Supply Chain Resilience Work, Keeping up with ever-demanding warehouse operations. And as we know, warehouse operations are definitely ever demanding, but they're also ever evolving as well as we see lots of technology come into play here. And we're going to talk a little bit about that and what the market is seeing and how they're interpreting technology, utilizing it, adopting it, maybe not adopting it. And and we'll see a little bit about that. So before we kind of dive into some of the findings and the understandings of, of this report, David, why don't you give us a little brief overview about the study what was the intention and some of the background on it
1: certainly happy to so first of all just a brief introduction to bdc research and and the work that we do so i'm responsible for covering uh, two technology practices at uh, bdc research and one of it one of the practices looks at what we call the enterprise mobility connected worker and that really addresses the use of digital solutions by today's frontline mobile workforce. So those are workers in warehouses, delivery driver, retail, and variety of other sort of industries. So, so those that spend most of their day on their feet and need access to information sort of in real time to be able to respond to customer requirements or collaboration needs, et cetera. And then the other practice looks very closely at data capture technology, so everything from traditional line-of-sight barcode solutions to RFID and machine vision, and how they're being utilized in, again, a variety of environments, including logistics and warehouse distribution center, as well as retail and and healthcare and and manufacturing spaces. So we've been doing this as an organization for many, many years, and been working with the Sailing team for the last couple of years on a a piece of research, and really the intent here or behind the research was to produce a report on a annual or every eight, 18 month basis to really be able to sort of monitor and and track trends over time as it pertained to warehouse logistics technology investments. And one of the initial sort of, I guess, hypotheses or, or, or points that we wanted to emphasize in the research was that, you know, warehouse and logistics technology decision makers were being faced with sort of a barrage of new technologies, Mm. and many of which certainly had the opportunity to address a lot of the complexities and challenges that they were facing. But we also wanted to look at how well they were responding to either trialing, piloting, testing, and the challenges that they were facing. Were these technologies mature enough? Was the infrastructure or their infrastructure mature enough to be able to effectively test them? Did they have, you know, sort of the necessary understanding and the capabilities and the resources to do so? So that was, you know, one of the things that uh, we were hoping to measure and test over time with the research. So this paper that we uh, just published is the second version of the research. The research was conducted over the course of the last 12 months. So the time during which we had done this research has been, During some of the most, I would say, dynamic, disruptive, whatever you want to call it, (laughs) uh, periods of time, uh, when we look at sort of the warehouse logistics spaces. So certainly interesting to have that as a backdrop. Uh, But but, but essentially, it's a primary research driven piece of piece of content whereby we've fielded a survey amongst, I think it was around 250 technology decision makers Mm -hmm. that were involved in sort of their warehouse operations and making decisions
0: around warehouse technology decisions. Yeah, it's very interesting, and I, I think it's very interesting too that you touched on just the maybe overwhelming at times number of technologies that are out there in the market now. I mean, it feels like over the last couple of years, there's just been an explosion on you know cutting-edge technology within the the warehouse space. Uh, it's been pretty pretty wild. I, I mean, I think you know even if you you walked into like a a pro mat uh, in in 2023, you could be pretty overwhelmed by just seeing the amount of different automation robotics technology that was all around so definitely very interesting to to see this this report and and this study to to find out where people are at on that spectrum compared to uh what you actually see out there on on display and demos and and fancy videos and and all those things so very interesting so justin why don't you give us kind of a little bit of background from the staylink perspective on you know why you kind of went for this this report and and what it kind of means to uh you guys
2: yeah. So we do a huge amount of the sort of technology investigation. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a number of customers who would be investigating all of these different technologies. And we we just kind of kept feeling like almost like the hype of a lot of the new technologies were sort of running away with it. And we wanted to look at kind of building this year over year perspective of, of the technology and of the adoption and how much of of that was was actually panning out, mm. right? How much of the adoption could actually be shown in the data. Um, but we also wanted to look at uh, a different dimension for the survey and, and tying that to the age of the warehouse management systems. Mm. And that was sort of an angle that we sort of felt was being not really looked at in a lot of the technology strategy analysis was going, okay, you know, how old is the system that you need these things to talk to? Because a number of the technologies were were just sort of talking about that part of it. Like it's the easiest bit, Hmm. you know, like, okay, yeah, we've got this great new technology and it's going to have this huge impact on your warehouse and on your operations. And all you got to do is just hook those things up, right? That's the, (laughs) that's all you have to do. And what we were finding was that's where it was falling down. We had this hypothesis that that had a huge impact on the success or failure of an adoption of, of any number of technologies and that they all kind of had uh, the same drawback, that that was a huge element that that was kind of being ignored. And I think it's interesting sort of what we found in the data, this correlation between those two data points, the age and the the investment of the warehouse management system and a uh, company's ability to adopt and have success with new technologies. Hmm. So I think we're on year two of this. I think we're going to continue to find that those two affect one another. You know, there's there's a causal link between those two data points.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was interesting to to see that in the in the study as as I read through. Was that you know there is kind of this I don't know if you would call it maybe a, an awakening a little bit right of realization that you know there we need to. Invest in technology to be able to to keep up and and you know be uh, competing against competition and just be able to deliver on on consumer expectations. But the also realization that hey maybe this this WMS or this system that we've been holding onto for you know X amount of years is not necessarily going to allow us to adopt those types of things. And maybe we need to upgrade, maybe we need to look at some different type of system. So, I mean, tell us a little bit about from your perspective, like how, I mean, how important as we look at all these new technologies that are coming out, I mean, how important is having that foundational system in place to be able to accelerate and, and evolve your operation? Well,
1: we found, you know, just to to pick up on Justin's uh, point that he was making, I mean, the research was, fairly clear on this point. And and some of it, I guess, is fairly intuitive, right? When you're thinking about, you know, introducing or integrating new technologies into an environment that's, you know, sort of already operational. And so one of the questions that we were asking, you know, in the research is, you know, what is the age and what version of WMS are you you currently running on? And we, you know, provided a couple of answers, starting with most current and then going back, you know, several generations, et cetera. And so the comparison between this most recent, you know, pizza research and the, uh, the first one we did a couple of years back was the, uh, the respondents that said that they were on the most current version increased from about 30% the first time we did the, the research to about 45.5% the second time or the most recent time we did the research. So I, I do want to throw a caveat in here in the sense that this, while this is a representative sample, it is not the same sample. You know, each time. So we didn't ask the same exact organizations, but we okay. did take a representative sample of organizations so you can make correlation between the two. So, so that was a huge jump. And I certainly point to, you know, again, going back to what we've what you know what what's transpired over the last 24, 36 months. I think the emphasis on supply chain, supply chain operations, the even the notion of supply chain resilience, mm-hmm. uh, which has become a sort of a bit of an invoked term, has has certainly mm-hmm. elevated. And I think it, the investment and and maybe e-commerce was at sort of the epicenter of this, at least recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sort of the the notion of supply chain as a boardroom topic has, has, has certainly increased as well. And I think that a lot of organizations, you know, took to heart some of the supply chain issues that, you know, that had transpired, not that they would have been able to effectively address them with you know any level of modernization uh but certainly they could have been better prepared Mm -hmm. so so i think that we did see an accelerated in investment in upgrading or modernizing their underlying infrastructure because when looking at those that had a you know quasi-modern or up-to-date infrastructure versus those Mm -hmm. that were running on you know three versions behind four versions behind and comparing that to their ability to again take advantage of newer technologies be able to integrate them more seamlessly get you know address time to value more effectively there was a direct correlation between those two groups and sort of the issues they perceived as a result of those so so again I, you know some of it seems very intuitive but the reality is that you know a lot of times in logistics spaces you know the this has been a you know sort of sweat your asset type of environment. It's not unusual yeah, right. to see, you know, sort yeah. of legacy WMS systems that, you know, have been coded, you know, years and years ago, and no one remembers who's done the coding or where the documentation is. I mean, those are yeah. still, you know, very much today's <laughs> realities. So, so that, that, you know, that certainly came through in the research. And so it was, I, I guess, you know, reassuring to see that be, you know, sort of validated by the research that we conducted.
0: I love the what Your asset, by the way. I, I saw that mentioned in the, in the study there as well. So, Justin, what about your thoughts there?
2: We'll be back after a quick break.
0: You hear a lot about supply chains these days because if the past couple of years have taught us anything, it's that an efficient, well-managed supply chain is absolutely critical to keeping businesses successful and consumers happy. I'm Will Haywood, and I host a podcast called All Business, No Boundaries, where we talk about supply chains how they work, what happens when they don't, and the innovations that are redefining what's possible in the world of logistics. Join me for insightful interviews with thought leaders and industry experts. We discuss how optimizing supply chains can break down the barriers that are holding businesses back. That's all business, no boundaries by DHL supply chain. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
2: I think You know in talking about the supply chain resilience i think david's absolutely right and that you know most companies are not logistics companies right they have a logistics operation Mm. and so when they looked at investments it was kind of like is it broken no then don't don't go fixing it yeah right and so i think you know we've had the the sort of clearest example of what could go wrong over the last couple of years and okay can you plan for that could you address that no but it did highlight Sort of where these investments could have helped people fare better or respond quicker. But I also think it sheds some light on the technology discussion as a whole. When we talk about these technologies, you know, are we saying they're ahead of their time? Is that necessarily related to the technology itself, or is that more related to the market's general ability to consume new technologies as a whole? You know, so it isn't even about particular technologies being ahead of their time. It's it's more like the market sort of consumed that this is a necessary piece of, of the business that we have to invest in if we ever want any hope of getting to automation or RFID or any one of the technologies that we looked at here. Mm. And I think that's what we were really trying to expose in the study was that, you know, the more you keep up on these things or the more you look at systems that are overlays or or things like that things that allow you more choices that definitely became the bigger theme over the last couple of years where especially in 2022 and, and 2023 it became less about picking the correct technology and more about setting yourself up to be able to pick whatever technology when you need it in whatever proportion you needed it right so it might not be picking amrs and going all in on AMRs, it was more about setting me up on a system, on a platform, on, on a WMS that can give me AMRs if I discover I need it. Mm. Right? I need options right now. And uh, I think that's what we're seeing play out in a lot of these technologies. There's not kind of one technology to rule them all. And in truth, there never was. There's not going to be some great replacement of you know any one particular technology over the other. It looks like it's going to be 10% of this and 15% of that and, and sort of this, this mix of different technologies. But the underlying system is what allows that in the first place
0: yeah absolutely and I, I think that's such a such an interesting way to to put it is is being able to i guess have that flexibility overall in the in the long term and i, I think that kind of translates so much to what we've seen and i think it was david mentioned in there about the you know kind of e-commerce explosion over the pandemic and things like that how that really adjusted things for for people who were maybe primarily just doing brick and mortar distribution before and that was their sales channel they had to figure out how to do things differently and you know there's you know, justifiably a lot of different things that happen in order to do, you know, each pick for e-commerce versus sending out cases or or pallets to a retail outlet, right? So, I mean, talk to us a little bit about from the perspective of, you know, higher investment in in technology and, and reassessing companies, you know, their technology foundation, as we're discussing here with their systems and and things like that. I mean, how much do you think like e-commerce in a sense is, is driving that investment versus like regular traditional B2B distribution or, or potentially other forms of distribution?
1: Yeah, I might I might go back to sort of this this theme of of supply chain, you know, resilience mm-hmm. again, and maybe try to answer it in the context, you know, of that again. I, as I said before, it's become it's not necessarily that new a term, uh, but it certainly has as one that has gotten a, a fair amount of um, mind share over the last couple of years. And oh, yeah. from our perspective, you know, <laughs> yeah, for sure, it's you know, it's really about the agility, right, and the ability to respond and the flexibility. To be able to respond, you know, effectively, as as Justin mentioned, no one could have predicted, you know, the disruption or the level or the you know the impact of the disruption that supply chain operations experienced during the pandemic. But there were certainly organizations that were better prepared to respond, and and I guess quote unquote fared better. And that, from our perspective, is those that you know sort of had the infrastructure in place, had the practices in in place that provided that necessary agility. And what does that really mean? I mean, when we look at sort of traditional supply chain risk management, That's really about a very inward, like within my own organization, within, you know, what can I control and how do I respond to risks? I think, you know, when we're thinking about sort of supply chain resilience, it's really across the entire supply chain as it should be. Now, it might be a bit of a fool's errand. Supply chain is super complex and involves (laughs) hundreds or tens, if not hundreds of organizations. So the idea that, you know, you can canvas, you know, that effectively is a challenge. But fundamentally, it comes back down to, you know, and again, not to sound too trite or try to sound too trite here, but it comes down to the visibility that you have and the ability to make decisions in real time, you know, requires a certain level of visibility into operations. And that visibility is enabled by certainly operational um, procedures, but also the technology that is being used to support those operations. So put in the context of, you know, e-commerce versus traditional B2B, I mean, Certainly in e-commerce what we have seen has been I, w- I would probably say a greater level of innovation and a greater mm-hmm. sort of acceptance of some of the advances that we've seen around supply chain uh, technologies, especially when it comes to automation. I mean I think just the pressure and the volume and the speed required certainly drove that and you throw into there some of the you know challenges around labor and access to labor and effect- you know effective application and use of of labor. You know, sort of really forced the sort of e commerce organizations to, you know, to sort of advance sort of their capabilities. So I think that they were probably at least recently at the forefront of that. You know, whether they're the lion's share or, you know, traditional B2B is the lion's share, I mean, I think that's debatable. But we've certainly seen a, a, you know, a level of investment around automation to provide that flexibility because e commerce, you know, the theme over the last years, you know, and again, not you know, just because of the pandemic, even leading into it, was sort of omni-channel, multi-channel sort of capabilities. And to be able to do that, you really need, and to do it right, you need to have visibility. If you're fulfilling from a store versus a a traditional fulfillment versus a warehouse versus what have you, they have to, those systems have to speak to one another. Otherwise it's, it's you know, and and you're dealing with, you know, item level decision-making, item level interactions, you know, customer experience, customer engagement rests on that one experience, on that one transaction. So you got to get that that one right. You know, otherwise, I mean, you're gonna you know you're gonna deal with a lot of sort of customer service related and dissatisfaction related issues. So so I think that that's certainly where we've seen a little bit of sort of the emphasis around innovation over the last couple of years.
2: Yeah, I think, I think that's one of the things that I end up in, in that conversation a lot where it's kind of like, is, is e-commerce driving it? And yet it, it is for sure. Mm-hmm. E-commerce is is a market. It is not the market, you know, like yeah. e-commerce concern certainly affected uh, a huge amount of, of retail customers, particularly during the pandemic. And that became a huge focus and obviously a huge amount of investment, you know, a huge amount of innovation. But I do think that also uncovered kind of where people had to look at things holistically. So e-commerce resulted in a huge innovation leap in picking, for example, but then it could be bottlenecked further down the chain at shipping or something. You know, you have something that's a thousand percent more efficient and then you shove it into a system that is not a thousand percent more efficient on the back end. Mm. You know, you could by doing the right thing, by succeeding in that one thing, you could actually end up kind of getting hurt. So I think it's it's been really interesting uh, to look at that. You know, and when you look at the larger market as a whole, if you make bolts for bridges, you don't care about any of that <laughs> stuff. You know, if you're in lumber yeah. you don't you don't care about any of that. Right. But some of those same concerns traverse all of that. You know, locationing is just as relevant to them as as to e-commerce. And those underlying systems are what feed all of the other innovation that, that we're talking about and sort of where it's all headed. So I think that's one of the interesting things that the report sort of sussed out year over year mm. was in 2021 and 2022, by a mile, the number one priority was speed. If you weren't talking about how you were making things faster, you weren't winning deals. And by like a 50% margin, right? The next next one was about labor optimization, but the distant third was was accuracy. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of get the box out the door. Don't care what it you know if it's the right one or whatever, right? But we can see now in the data those things sort of pulling even a bit. You know, getting the the accuracy almost doubled. The the accuracy as a strategic initiative almost doubled. And I think that's speaking to the customer experience. Like David was saying, that's becoming much much more important it's not just about getting the box out the door with speed it's about making sure that the customer has a good experience and i think it's also interesting that the labor optimization also pulled even with speed and that it kind of implies people are more conscious of you know the holistic supply chain and getting more out of the resources that they have you know getting better result from from what they have operating in the warehouse today I thought that was one of the most insightful bits out of the whole report.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think that's very interesting to, to see that that trend because we did certainly see, you know, especially especially during the pandemic when everybody, you know, was looking to get things on demand, basically. And we saw right. a lot of companies rise up and say, you know, some stuff, I mean, even as crazy as we could deliver in 15 minutes. Right. And and I think it's interesting to see, even as we look at the the market in general, some of those companies, you know, didn't, didn't make it pretty much past the pandemic, right? right? So, you know, it's interesting to see now, like the consumer really wants that, you know, that that perfect order, like that's discussed in the the study and, you know, have that accuracy, like you said, and, you know, deliver it at the right time and, you know, deliver it the way it's supposed to be delivered and the most cost-effective way. All those things kind of matter now, which all kind of come together in in creating that, that perfect customer experience, right? So it's very interesting to see that change there and see, you know, how the consumer is maybe... Pushing back a little bit and saying like, oh, you know, it was it was nice maybe to have speed, you know, in the in the past. But like now, like, hey, like you guys got to get this get this right. Right. (laughs) So, yeah. yeah, So I think it's very interesting to see that change, as you mentioned there, Justin. But, uh, you know, we mentioned in there a couple of times about the labor optimization as well. And I want to dig into that a little bit. So we are going to hold that thought right there and we will continue the conversation with Justin and David on the next episode of the new warehouse podcast be sure to tune in as we dive further into the conversation around gaining more productivity from your workforce utilizing technology and discuss some of the top technologies on the minds of operations decision makers for more information head to thenewwarehouse.com and check out the show notes you've been listening to the new warehouse podcast with Kevin Lott